Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Super Bowl night. Let me just first of all say that uh, Daniel got me on this one. I didn't know it was Super Bowl Sunday when I signed up to see. But it's okay because uh, I want to watch the Super Bowl. I'm preaching, so I can guarantee we're going to be out on time. <laughs> it, is, it is always fun to be with you. And greetings to all online. I, I'm sure that for a few of you, it is the pre-Super Bowl party that you're having right now. And you've invited Rez to be a part of your night, so we're... Thankful for that opportunity as well. And as I come to speak to you, I'm just going to talk a little bit about doing relationships right. Tonight we kick off this series that will be the next, I believe, four Sunday nights. So be a part of the whole thing. And tonight I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation. And I'm honored to get to do this. I love to talk about relationships. I have been married now for almost 40 years in June. Jane and I will have 40 years. And so it's a really big deal. And I've been traveling a lot, speaking on marriage. In fact, we will head to Ohio this coming weekend to, to speak on marriage. And last week I was in uh, Tennessee and I was thinking about when I flew home, actually on Wednesday, uh, we landed in Detroit. And when the plane touched down, you know how the stewardess comes on and says, hey, welcome. Well, she came on and she said, welcome to Detroit, the place where your quarterback left to go win a Super Bowl. So that was how we landed. That wasn't real good for people on the plane, but I thought it was funny. So tonight we'll see how that works out, but before we do that, I want to talk some about relationships. I brought this unity candle, I use it a lot, and I want to, I want to talk about it before we go any further. This is, this is what, for those of you who are millennials, this is what we used to use when you get married. This, this is what you would light. Uh, we don't do that so much anymore. I do weddings every now and then, and I, I don't have a lot of unity candles now. People will, you know, weave two ropes together. Uh, rub rocks together. I still don't know what that means. They rub rocks against each other. I don't, I don't get that. To me, it just looks like it hurts. And uh, then the, my favorite one, I had this couple pour their two favorite beers together and drink it right there. That was it. That's how they started. That was different. I've never seen that before. I went, hey, that's different. But this unity candle lights what in our culture has become the symbol of making it. Like, like, we don't even notice this about our culture, but if you step way back for a second, there's something about us. We, we sometimes think if you, if you get married, then, oh, you made it. You did it. You've reached the pinnacle of life. I remember when Alan, at the age of, you know, late 20s, early 30s, was not yet married, my son, and people would say to him, hey, how you doing? He'd say, good. And what's your name? I'm Alan. He goes, are you married? And he would say, no, I'm not. And they would go, oh. Almost like something's wrong with you. If you're here tonight and you're single, nothing's wrong with you. It's okay. Because i got to start with that foundation principle. If the goal of life is to be married, then Jesus missed it. And I'm not going to assume Jesus missed anything. So I want to start with this because what's happened to us without us realizing it, especially in the church, okay? Especially in the church... We have almost built this up to be being married is, is making it to the highest plateau possible. And I, I want it tonight. I'm starting with the foundation. If you want to do your relationship right, you got to get Jesus first and then the relationships after that. 
But so often we say that, but we don't really live that way. Um, I would tell you that looking at my life, I've got this figured out a lot better in the last five years because previous to that, I believed there were times, even without me knowing it, that I had Jane above Jesus. You say, what? Would you say that out loud? No, I'm looking at my life, my daily routines, etc. I worked so hard to get her approval. I worked so hard to make her happy. And it's like, wow, I don't think I was working that hard to make Jesus happy. And it's because we put such a focus on this. But the reason we did that is because um, growing up, and I'm a preacher who did it. I did. I'd say this word before. I don't do this anymore. I used to say words like, hey, I'm glad you guys are here tonight, like starting a marriage thing like this. I would open with, hey, glad you guys are here tonight with your soulmate. And I know there are plenty of people now looking back. They were sitting in that seat going, if this is my soulmate, I missed it. And we don't say that out loud, but some of you do not feel like soulmates. Some of you didn't even get along on the way here tonight. And... I want to remind you, Scripture does not call your spouse a soulmate. It calls your spouse a helpmate. Jesus said, I'll give you a, a, God said, I'll give you a helpmate suitable for you to build a relationship with. Now, you can become soulmates. You can grow together in the Lord. But that's not how, but that's what we think we're getting. When, when I got married, I made a little list. Uh, Jane and I laugh about this list now because, you know, I've been married 40 years. And I understand a lot more about what marriage is about. Marriage is about a decision I made and being faithful to that decision to honor God and love each other. But in the beginning, you know, when I was 19, I was thinking about getting married. And some of you remember the story of how I met my wife. I know I've shared that with you. But, I mean, she was bent over at a vending machine when I first met her. I was not praying or anything else. I was looking. And that's how my relationship started. It was more of a, a visual uh, um, that kind of erotic love that you have in your mind. I wasn't, I wasn't, I love Jesus and everything, but I wasn't thinking about scripture. I was looking. And I remember looking back now at my life, I was thinking marriage for me is going to be a place where I will finally get all my needs met. Somebody in here understands this. You got married and you lit this candle and inside you're going, everything I've always wanted is about to happen. We'll never not get along. We'll just always want to touch each other and be together. Those of you who are married, can you remember the first time you didn't like even want to physically hold hands? I remember for me, we were about a year into our marriage. And we got in the car, and Jane reached her hand out. We're, sit, we're sitting down in the car, and we were going out to dinner or something. She reached her hand across and laid it kind of in that middle part of the car. And I remember going, I don't, what, I don't really want to touch her. And I remember going, what is this feeling? This is bad. I'd rather hold a steering wheel. This is not good. And then you push through that, and you realize it's pretty normal. And sometimes when that moment happens, we think to ourselves, oh, no. See, the world tells you right there, oh, yeah, if you're not happy, then go find another one. That, that's not what marriage is. Marriage is going, I know I love that hand. I just need to be reminded why. <laughs> and over time, the Lord can build that back into you. But I want you to know having those feelings is very normal. Somebody in here tonight 
somebody watching online does not feel in love. And I would say to you, it's okay. But it's Valentine's Day. It's okay. Because you made a decision. I made a decision when I married Jane. When I lit, lit this candle, I said, till death do you part, to be loved and to be faithful. I wasn't talking to her. I was talking to God. God, I'm taking this vow very serious. And I'm going to love her till death do us part. And she's listening because she's the one I'm saying it to. But I'm, I'm, I'm making this commitment to the Lord. We get, we get all this stuff out of whack. And then when it starts going awry and we're not feeling it and the candle doesn't feel like it's burning, then we think, all this stuff? I mean, I, I thought I would have these things on this list and now they're gone away. And we freak out and we think something's wrong with us. So tonight, I just say to anybody in the room who would say, Dan, I don't have the feeling. Of, I've been married a long time, but I'm not, I, don't, I haven't had that feeling in a while. It's okay. I have discovered in my marriage, when I have those times, I push through. I remind myself, I love her. I love her. I care about her. I'm faithful to her. And then the Lord rewards that by you showing up with that faithfulness each day. I shared with the Married Life Group on Wednesday night what I want to say to you tonight, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 has become my new favorite verse of Scripture for marriage. And it's really an odd verse. It's not one you typically would choose. In fact, I know the Bible pretty well. I study it and I study a lot about marriage. But I really believe this might become my favorite Scripture verse on marriage. Because since this is foundational, kick it off night. If you don't figure this out... No matter how much guidance you get, no matter how, how many principles are taught to you, if you don't figure this foundational verse out, your relationships will not do well. Because you'll put relationships over your relationship with God. And any time your focus is on an earthly relationship first over your relationship with God, you're headed for trouble. So this verse says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know who wins? If I do that, Jane wins. Because if I'm becoming more godly, if I'm becoming more holy, I'm blessing her life because I'm a better man. And when you as a couple figure this out, then all the other stuff will be given to you. This was specifically written. Jesus was talking about worry. How many of you worry will add another day to your life? That's what Jesus is talking about. Then he comes to this. Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. And tonight, all I'm going to do is give you some practical ways that I have sought to make this verse come alive. The Lord began to work on me going back about 10 years ago. So the stuff I'm saying to you tonight, it took me 10 years to figure some of this stuff out. I'm not expecting you to leave and go, got it. Maybe you're way ahead and you're already seven years ahead of where I was at. So you'll be fine. But for me, a preacher, I did not have some of this stuff figured out. And I would tell you in this room tonight, there are some of you, not only your spouse, but other relationships, you're looking to those relationships to fill some void or some hole in your life. Some of you right now are putting a lot of stress on your spouse because you're wanting them to fill some void in your life. And I want to start with filling that void with Christ. 
Because if you do that, then whatever else you get from your relationship with your spouse is just icing on the cake. But so many of us, Jane and I had this conversation literally this week. Um, I was talking to her about something, and she said this to me. Dan, as you, as you bring that up to me, et cetera, we weren't arguing anything. She just says, it just, it just reminds me I'm so inadequate. Somebody in this room right now feels inadequate. You feel like you're not enough. And if I'm going to start relationships off right for you in this series, I want to get you down to the foundation that if you have Jesus and you will build your core life around him, you're going to be just fine. And I want to show you how this began to work out in the life with me and Jane. That's why I brought these, sorry about that candle. That's why I brought these chairs up on stage. I've talked about these chairs, but I want to go over them again with you. So Jane and I typically used to have conversations, and it was just the two of us. We'd sit, we'd talk. I'm going to go back now 10 years. Jane and I would uh, sit and talk. We'd come in the house disagreeing about something. Well, sit down, babe. We're going to talk about it. She'd say, okay, sit down, too. I'd sit down. We'd look at each other. All right, let's hammer through it. And we start talking. And I don't know if y'all do this. Maybe y'all don't struggle like we used to. We don't do this anymore as much. But we used to get like um, into a disagreement on something. And the whole time she's talking, I'm prepping what I want to respond with. I'm not listening to her. I'm thinking about how what she's saying is wrong and I need to fix it. Because I'm listening to her talk going, I don't, I don't really say it out loud, but it's like, it's a, that's nonsense. That's not right. You know, some of you do this body language thing. <sighs> <sighs> Rolling your eyes like as she's talking. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And some of you can't even keep your mouth closed when that's happening. Going, oh, wrong, wrong. That's like, I, I just want you to see. Those moments, you aren't sitting, you are not sitting when that happens going, I'm so glad I did this. No, you're going, we're going to put it out. But that's how we kind of operated. I love Jesus and everything else, but we kind of tried to get our battles figured out through ourselves and talk. We love Jesus. I preach. But we just aren't communicating well. I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing most of you in the room relate. So, I begin to think about this verse, seek first his kingdom. What would that mean right here for me? If I was seeking his kingdom, what would that look like? So I thought to myself, and this is what I literally did. I said to Jane, we're going to introduce the third chair. And when we have discussions and disagreements, we're going to imagine that Jesus is sitting right between us. Like right there. Watching everything we say, what comes out of our mouth, etc. I want to just tell y'all right up front. I just want to tell you right up front. When you do this and you imagine Jesus, like put a chair there for Jesus. You just, even your body language change. You sit up a little more. How you doing? Huh? Oh, babe, I would love to hear your thoughts. You know, you go from that shh, stupid. You don't do this. If you, Jesus is sitting right there, you would not be going, stupid. You would not do that. You would not. Because he'd look at you and be like, my, my bad. And I set up like this, and I start to listen. And I'm like, 
Well, I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. How are you doing, Jesus? I want to hear what you have to say. No, no, it really matters to me. Yeah, it matters to me. Because I'm thinking about what he would want from me. See, I'm not thinking about what she wants from me. I'm thinking about what he wants from me. Because what, what's happening here, I'm seeking first his kingdom. See the difference? If I seek her kingdom, she keeps, seeks my kingdom, that's going downhill. But if I look through the perspective of Jesus loves her, he loves her even more than me. So he would say to me, hey, 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 tune in to what she's saying. This is important for you to hear. So here's what I decided to do. I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen. And we were dis- let's say we're disagreeing on something. I would come, I'd say, okay, babe, sit down. Then I would say, hey, I'm going to pull Jesus up. He's here with us now. And then I would say this to her, Jane, I don't understand like how you come up with that thinking and that idea. This makes no sense to me. So I want you, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to explain it. And I'm going to listen and try to understand what you're saying. That's how we started this. And I would sit and listen, and I got to tell y'all, um, something changed in me, and I'm going to make it the Jesus factor. I started listening, not with the desire to respond at all, but just to hear her point. Like, imagine I don't even have a point. Imagine it's like I'm in a counseling center because if y'all came in to me for counseling or I don't do counseling, if you came and sit in front of me and told me about a marriage issue and I was going to pray with you and talk to you about it, I would listen. I would not be spending my time wanting to critique something. I'd just listen. And she started talking. Like, let's, let's just take an issue that we were disagreeing on. And I say, Jane, I don't know why you feel that way. It, make, it makes no sense because I don't think that way. So can you explain, like, from the beginning why you're thinking that's the way we need to do that? Because it's just not connecting with me at all. But I want to hear your point. Share it with me. So she'd just sit there and she'd do her normal sharing. She starts talking and my, my defensive self, my, my want to respond self, my angry self, whatever you want to pick, I got rid of it, and I just listened to her. I'm just telling y'all, this changed our home. When I say to Jane now, hey, let's go sit down, she, she's like, let's sit down, because she knows I'm saying to her, I want to hear you. And I would tell you right now, eight out of ten times, eight out of ten, I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. But eight out of ten times, when she has finished what she has to say, I will say something probably like this. Well, you know what? I've never taken time to think about it that way. And as I listen to you talk and I see where you're coming from, that makes a lot of sense. And used to, I wouldn't have taken time to even listen. But man, it just reminds me, there's a, there's a lot better thinking sometimes about an issue than the way I see it. So... Let, I want, I'm going to join you. I like the way you're thinking about that. Let's do it that way. And then she will likely say something like this. Well, I want to hear what you were thinking. And eight out of ten times I go, we don't even need to go there. Used to, without the chair, I would be sitting there going, okay, you finished talking now. Could you just be quiet and give me the equal amount of time? Because what I have to say is so important. And now it's like, I don't even need to say it. In fact, a lot of times we finish with, I can't believe we got upset about that. That's not worth getting upset about. You good? I'm good. Let's pray a minute. Okay. And we pray, and we're done. And I'm going to tell you, 
It's because we're seeking first his kingdom. Not my kingdom. Not her kingdom. Both those kingdoms, biblically, will fall. This kingdom will last forever. I will never regret having a tender spirit working through a relationship issue. I won't finish my life going, I wish I'd have been more angry. I wish I'd have been harder to deal with. No, I'll finish my life going, I want to get better at this. I want to move my eight out of ten times. I want to get to nine out of ten. Because I think if I do, I'm building a strong foundational relationship in Jesus. So, so, here's the catch. Most of us in the room, maybe someone here doesn't know Christ, but most of us in the room claim to know Christ as Savior. Let me tell you something. According to what I read in Scripture, He is sitting in the room. I'm not making up some pie-in-the-sky idea. He is sitting in the room. We just don't take time to recognize it. We push him out of the room with our attitudes and actions. And it is a game changer when you bring him into the room. When you actually activate the Holy Spirit of God that you say you love and believe in anyway. Invite him in. Let him be a part of your next conversation. I'm, I'm speaking to those of you who are in relationships tonight. Pull a chair out. You say, I don't want to do that. Okay. Do it however you want to do it. But just put Jesus in the conversation. Because I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you something about me. I love to prove my point right. Love it. I still would tell you, if I wanted to go with this, I, 10 out of 10 times, if I went to the world system, the world system is, forget about Jesus. Let's pull a judge in and let's go before the judge and let's let him make a decision. I'll make my case, you make yours, and let's see who wins. That's the whole world system. It's the whole world system. And I would tell you, the best argument is not necessarily the best situation for your marriage. You might win your case and lose the marriage. In fact, I would tell you that's happening all across our world right now. Because I could sit with Jane and go, <laughs> Oh, you bring the judge, I'll win this one. No. Let's bring Christ and both of us win. So since we say we're followers of Jesus our relationship should look like it. And this is a practical way the Seaborn home has activated the power of the Holy Spirit to say to him, guide me. And you know what's really funny is, I told you, when we, got, when we get done, she will most likely say something like, no, I want to hear your point. What? She didn't used to. It's because she sees a change in me. She sees the softness in me going, he's not out to prove me wrong. He's trying to understand me. And everybody in the room, listen, you want to give your spouse, you want to give your spouse a great Valentine's present? Tell them you really want to understand them. Take, take time to look at them and go, I don't sometimes understand you, but I want to, so tell me more. Requires listening 
And that's what love looks like. You know, people are going out tonight trying to find the biggest, nicest, most expensive present they can find. I would tell you the one that really costs you is putting aside your thoughts and your will and your way and just saying, hey, I I didn't spend any money this year, but I'm going to spend myself on you. I want to love you better. I want to listen and love you more. That's the gift we're all looking for, to be understood and be loved. And I challenge you to consider this. Take this home. See what it changes. A second thing I want to throw at you that I feel has changed in me is uh, I check my tone a lot more. I check my tone. And I want to ask you today, if you had to give me a report on the last month of how you've spoken to your spouse, how's that going? Are you sharp? Do you throw out things that are hurtful? See, this is another thing where I say, if you really are foundationally going to build on Jesus, let me, let me tell you something about Jesus. He had control of what he said. He spoke with kindness. When he chose to escalate a little bit, it was because he chose to, not somebody else pushing his buttons. And I began to realize about myself, um, I grew up in a family of yellers. I mean, whoever got the loudest, that's who was heard the most. And some of y'all are from that home. Your spouse right now knows that. You know, growing up as a little boy, I put myself back as a little boy and coming to a service like this and preacher saying something like that, I would just sit there and go, Dad, please listen. Somebody in here tonight, um, when I talk about raising your voice and losing control, you know that's you. And here's the funny part. You don't even like it about yourself. You can't stop it. So this is another thing the Lord began to do on me. See, this is the practical ways that I begin to seek his kingdom first. I begin to look and realize, oh my goodness, my voice does not honor the Lord sometimes. My tone does not reflect Jesus. Jane does not look and go, that looks like Jesus. She's not thinking that. She's thinking he's lost it. So I said to her, we're going to work on this too. I said, now, you're going to notice a change in me. This was the first one. I said, this next change you're going to notice in me is when I'm upset, I'm going to start talking softer. So when, when we're like, this is my normal talk. Okay, this is how I would normally talk. And then when Jane and I, when something happened, I'd get upset. I would go to, hey, I'm, I'm really bothered by this and we need to discuss it. She'd be like, what? I said, I'm just really bothered. <laughs> well, I can hardly hear you. Good, that's good. Why are you being so quiet? Well, because my capillaries are going to explode and I'm really angry. Like inside right now, I'm just going crazy. So I just thought I probably should get control of myself. That's what I do. She looks at me, she usually starts laughing, which is helpful. But then if it, listen, this is the truth. If it escalates even more, then I've chosen after halftone, I go to whisper. Like if I'm really losing it, I'll be like, I tell you what, I'm going to go get in the car and take a drive because right now I'm so angry. It's totally awesome because it's getting control of your tone. This, I'm going I'm to tell you, the first time y'all do this, it will not be easy because you're used to going, I tell you what, you're not going to. What if that went to? 
I'm going to walk over here a second. And, and Jane sometimes will go back to me like, okay, I'll see you over there. Yeah, whisper back. You say, Dan, why would you do that? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I can sit up here tonight and give you all these practical tools and tips. But if you go out that door and you do the same stuff, why did we come? And I know Dan Seaborn enough to know, and I've been married 40 years. You get into what you call routines. You do things the same way. You know, what's really been interesting is... Um, me making all these changes. I said to her when I set out to do it, when I set out with this thing and I set out with the tones, I said to her, now this is going to take work. I said, I won't do it right in the beginning. And I said, it's going to take time. And I said, and, and there, we're going we're to bump into some stuff along the way. I won't always do it right, but I'm going to work really hard at this because I want to finish really well, really peacefully. I have a goal in my life. I shared this with the married life group. I have a goal in my life that I get softer as I age. I've met the other people. They get harder. I, I don't want to get, if the Lord gives me 70 years, I don't want to get to a place where my kids go, well, yeah, yeah, he's still with us, but we're, we're praying, we're trusting. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but some of y'all have someone in your family that's 80 and you just say you're, they're, getting, they're harder to deal with now than they were 20 years ago. And you're saying to yourself, yeah, yeah, it's still with us. Lord's, Lord's good. I mean, you try to cover it, but you know they're not easy to deal with. That's not the way I want to end my life. I want to end my life with my family. And if you know me or whatever to be around me, go, he's enjoyable to go see. Because to me, that reflects getting closer and closer to the one I am going to see, who's the sweetest of all. And I want in my marriage to go ahead and set that tone now. And I want to challenge you to take a good hard look at yourself and say to yourself, how am I doing with that? Like if your spouse gave you a grade on tone tonight, what grade would you get? And if you're getting a seven or an eight, because that's a high number, get that thing down. I, by God's grace, I just don't raise my voice. And I don't make mountains out of molehills. And I'm so thankful that God has been patient and Jane has been patient to help me learn this. Because I think it means I'm seeking his kingdom first. And his righteousness first. And the funny part, the verse begins to come alive. It says, and then all the other things will be added. In other words, he's saying, if you'll just listen to me and do this, I'll even make your marriage better. If y'all turn this stuff over to me, I'll help you with these relationships. We work so hard to figure out ways to do them. And Jesus says, can you just bring it to me? I told you I'll help you. Now, you're going to have to surrender some stuff. You're going to have to give up your will, but it'll all work out for your good if you'll just let me take it. And you will know, I wrote a little list of things I wanted to share with you. How do you know that this stuff is beginning to make a difference? 
Like, how, how can you look? And if you say, Dan, I go home and practice this stuff, how will I know? I, I wrote a few things down. Number one, you will sense new levels of contentment in your spirit. I like that. I, I have new level. Listen, listen. Stuff that used to get me worked up, even in our marriage relationship, it just doesn't do that to me anymore. I, I'm more content. Now, let, let, me just, let me just pause here first and push the button and move away from this thought for a second. Do you guys understand how many people are discontent in their marriage right now? In our world, do you, do you know how many? It's crazy. So many are discontent. And their big reason they would say is, my spouse, mm, if I could get them to change it, I could be content. And I'm saying to you, even if they never change, if you make Christ first, he will give you a contentment in here that can't be controlled by anyone else. That's a win. If you look at your life after you've done this, I've been doing this now for three years for sure, this right here. I'm just way more content. I'm, I'm, I'm more happy with this person. I'm going, I'm living a better life. I'm setting a better example. My oldest son the other, other day said to me, he, he made a statement about me. We were in the room talking about something. And he said, well, well, no, I should say the old dad before you've made all these changes. He sees it. I mean, I, I wasn't even looking for that. When he said it, I was like, oh, good. They notice. And that's the goal, to leave a legacy for our children that they see you're seeking the Lord first. New contentment in your own spirit. The second thing I wrote down, um, unmet expectations, even in your marriage, don't determine your peace. Somebody sitting in here today has unmet expectations. You do. There was something you thought, I'm going to light this candle, and I'm telling you what, this will always be taken care of. I'll never struggle with that again. They'll meet my needs. And that, net, that need has not been met. And you found yourself going, hmm. I have unmet expectations in marriage now. And I'm, I'm just not doing good with it. Um, let, let me say something. I'll say it very carefully. You don't really have many needs. Your, your, your basic needs are food and water and Jesus. You have a lot of wants. When you lit this candle, it wasn't needs, it was wants. I want this and I want that. And you got your expectations, you got your sex expectations, you got all these different things that you have based on this candle. And then when they aren't met, you're really disappointed. And I show you today a different principle. The Lord is the ultimate need meter. And tonight, somebody in this room needs to know that Jesus has got you, even with those unmet things in your life, Jesus has got you right now. And he always has your best interest in mind. This is why I think God chose the word helpmate instead of soulmate. Watch this. Soulmate sounds like, oh man. Just, they're going to join me. It's going to be perfect. We'll get together. Watch this. When God gave us a helpmate, watch how it works on either side. 
So say you're a follower of Jesus and you're married to someone who is a follower of Jesus. What a helpmate. Come on along. Let's grow. Let's seek to be soulmates. It'll work. Then some of you have someone who chooses not to go that way. They don't even want to pursue things related to the Lord. Watch this. Watch this. They're called a helpmate. In other words, the way they live, the way they act, acts, helps put you more toward Jesus. That is a helpmate. If it's true that God always has your best interest in mind, then sometimes through the chaos and the uncertainty and the pain, he's actually calling you closer to him. As a win, doesn't necessarily always feel like it. But at the end of your life, if your spouse pushed you closer to Jesus, that is a really, really deep thought. But if you can grasp it, it's a game changer. And it's why I started with what I started with, because if you don't get that foundation of knowing that you're going to be okay no matter what, then your relationship's not going to be healthy. You're always going to be looking to your spouse to fulfill something that only Jesus can meet. I realize that there are questions related to that of, well, Dan, what about this and this and this and this? Of course, that's what Daniel's going to cover in the next three weeks. But the reality is if you don't figure the foundation out about Jesus, you won't have healthy relationships. And I stand here tonight as a testimony to that. I begin to discover things about myself and how to make this better because this chair is the game changer. And tonight there will be an MVP crowned and it will be awesome. And then a year from now you won't even remember who the two teams were in the Super Bowl. But this right here is the MVP of your relationship. And if you'll bring Jesus into the game, if you'll push him to the forefront, and if you'll say, you're my MVP, you're the most valuable player in my life. If you push him to the forefront, get these chairs in their proper place, he's first, then you. You can build a foundationally strong relationship that lasts for a lifetime. And that's my prayer for you. I'm actually asking Pastor Daniel to come up. I've asked him to close out the service. Um, you're serving underneath him. I'm thankful for the privilege, but I want him to give an invitation that this be the most important chair in your life. So I ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. Pastor Daniel, will you come and speak to us? Call us to that relationship in the Lord. <clears throat> Dan, Dan said it well, <clears throat> is the most important relationship. And if you don't have that as the foundation, we're all just left fighting. God does want the best for you. He does love you. And he offers forgiveness. He offers a right relationship. He offers us his way. He offers us so much. But if you're here and you look and you go, I don't even have him in my life, much less our, our, our conflict. If you don't know that you're right with God, then that's the first spot to start. If you've never made him the Lord of your life, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to make him the Lord of your life, to know that you're right with God and on your way to heaven. 
If you say, today, I need to do that. When I say, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, get ready if you wanna make Jesus your Lord. Two, if you wanna know that you're right with God and on your way to heaven. Three, go ahead and raise up your hand. So that's me. Awesome, I see your hand and your hand and your hand. Who else says, that's me? Another one back there. If you're online, you can just type in, that's me. Awesome. Well, the Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're gonna do. So whether you raise your hand tonight or you say, I've done that before, then join us as we declare him to be our Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Even when I make mistakes, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. I choose to follow you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.